Welcome to The Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. Get it, got it, give it. Here in The Sweat Room, we dive into today's questions about sports and faith. I think it's important to realize that not necessarily to put athletes on pedestals, because mm. kind of the way we looked at them is that they're individuals. They have the same needs that we have. Yeah. They have the same pressures that we have. Now, the thing is, the, where they live, everybody sees it. And now, here's your hosts, Noah and Bjorn. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the 56th episode of The Sweat Room. My name is Noah Corsten, and alongside my co-host, Bjorn Webb, we are so honored and so blessed to have you today for an episode with Fred Rains. Fred is the former Buffalo Bills chaplain, and he was there for over 30 years. It's amazing. He's been on staff with crew for over 50 years now, and he was also a part of Athletes in Action, which is associated with crew it's the sports ministry of crew for 37 years highly recommend to go check out those ministries they're great ministries he's been married to his wife kathy for over 50 years now he has two kids five grandkids and today fred shares a wealth of knowledge with you today he talks about his experience in ministry he talks about his time with the bills his relationship with frank reich and yes we even dive into a little about the greatest comeback in NFL history with the Buffalo Bills against the Houston Oilers. He talks a little about that and Frank Reich. Guys, this is a fascinating conversation today. We're so excited to have Fred Rains on the podcast with us today. And if you're new to our podcast, welcome. Our motto is get it, got it, give it. We're always in every phase of this, always learning, always teaching, and always applying. And we like to say here at the Sweat Room as well, everybody has a story. It's just a little bit different platform. And we're going to dive and dissect a little Fred's story today. It's so, so good. And if you're new to us as well, we want to welcome you wherever you are listening. You see, we're a podcast in a church that is based out of Buffalo, New York. So it's only fitting that we're doing a Buffalo Bill series. This is week two of our Buffalo Bill series, and we're so excited to be featuring stories from the past and the present and hopefully in the future as well. We're so excited for what is going on in Buffalo, and God is doing incredible things in Buffalo, New York. And if you really enjoyed today's episode highly encouraged go share it and pass it along with a friend that would mean a lot to us as we're growing the sweat room podcast and check us out check us out on social at watermark sports on facebook and instagram and on twitter it's a little bit different it's that sweat room pod and i highly recommend can't stress it enough to get pen and paper out for this episode and for all of our episodes our guests share so many great things with all of you but even if you don't, we have a blog. You can check that out at watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. Guys, I can't tell you how excited I am for today's episode. It's a great one. So without further ado, here is our episode with Fred Rains. Today we want to welcome to the sweat room Fred Rains. Welcome, Fred. How you doing? Good, Bjorn. Good to be with you. Yeah, we're, we're glad to have you here. I know we've been we've been throwing your name around for, for a good bit here of wanting to have you on, and finally it's worked its way out. We finally got you here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's good. So, Fred, we want to start off by just asking. You've been along around sports for many, many years. Mm-hmm. If you had to pick one memory from sports that is your favorite, what is your favorite sports memory? No, are you talking in my athletic career? <laughs> we'll put it all together. Your athletic career, your time as a chaplain, your time... Uh, well, probably the most... Prestigious would be going to a Super Bowl, mm. I would think. That and uh, 
the greatest comeback game being a part, yeah. being a part of that. Sure. What was what was your role? Where were you during that game? What did that look like? Uh, which one? The the greatest comeback. Uh, actually, I was I was in the stands. Uh, different times, different coaches uh, would want me on the sidelines versus there at the game on the stands. That at that point, Marv Levy wanted me in the stands. Okay. Uh, had access to the locker room after the game and whatever, but that's where he preferred I'd be at that point. And actually, I was just sitting a couple rows behind uh, Linda Reich at the time. Oh, cool. Frank's wife, yeah. And uh, I was sitting with a friend. My wife did not want to go to the game because it was too cold. (laughs) But she had a friend that cut her hair, and so she went with me because she was an avid Bills fan. Cool. So we were sitting there, and uh, I started, you know, at halftime, I started to think, well, I guess I can make my off-season plans, you know, about what meetings I was going to go to because uh, by then a lot of the f- people around us began to leave mm. and stuff. But then, uh, you know, after halftime, the first uh, pass that Frank threw was intercepted, run back for a touchdown. And mm. so, yeah, you, you would have thought someone said uh, panic, you know, and everybody just left. Wow, but yeah, that's where uh, that's where I was during that game. It was pretty uh, pretty incredible yeah. um, to be a part of that. Yeah. That's that's crazy. That was that's such crazy. a good game. And my, my I know everyone says that's from Buffalo. There, everyone says I know some people are like, oh, I was at that game. My mom was actually at that game. That was her first ever NFL football game. Her first ever first ever game was wow. the comeback game, and she just said it was one of the greatest games. And she stayed the whole time. Good and, for her. Did she actually, or she just she did? <laughs> she did. She has friends as witnesses, and I know one of the friends that went with her. She's he was saying that. Um, when that kick, when the kick, like, to tie the game was, does that mm-hmm. sound accurate? Yeah. That there was a certain feel and a certain wind mm. came down. So I can't imagine being at that game. It must have been amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. And it's the unique thing was the game was not on TV. Wow. You know, back then, you could only televise a game if it, if it was sold out. Uh. And the Bills had already gone to so many Super Bowls. Yeah. So, you know, kind of an old hat kind of a thing. So there were people around the world that saw that game. Wow. The p- people here in Buffalo, unless they were at the game, did not get to see it. Oh, uh, man. Yeah, I got a few letters from people that uh, actually got member got a letter, and in fact, I showed it to Frank a few, just, uh, I think the last call to courage breakfast, I brought it out of my archives. It was someone in Japan that had uh, watched the game and then watched his press conference afterwards. Wow. And it had such an impact on his life and his relationship with Christ. Mm. Wow. And But yet... That was one of the few things. Over all my years, I didn't get a lot of things signed, Mm. autographs, didn't buy jerseys, anything. But the one thing that I did get autographed was Frank bought up all the extra tickets. I think there were 5,000 or more tickets that... uh, that weren't uh, that weren't sold. He asked the Bills if he could have the extra like after tickets. the game. Yeah, and so he got all the original tickets. He autographed those, and then made a little plaque, and then had all the stats of the greatest comeback game. Wow, and then that's cool. He put the uh, you know that money into his foundation that he gave away to the charities. But yeah, that was one of the few things that uh, 
that I did get signed over my mm. my. Tent. And do you still have that? Yeah, I saw it the other day. My wife and I were doing some organization in our room, and I kind of have my paraphernalia boxes, and, <laughs> and I did see that. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's that awesome. over there. Cool. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of neat. That's yeah. amazing. So one of the things we know about you, Fred, is you were involved with athletes in action for a while. Mm-hmm. Tell us how you kind of get got involved with that ministry. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, my wife and I came on staff with Crew, or it used to be Campus Crusade, out of college. So uh, we've been on staff with Crew for 50 years, wow. but mm. we've been with Athletes in Action for 37 of them. And so um, our time here in Buffalo, the whole time here, has been with Athletes in Action. Wow. And the way it started was I was at Illinois State University on campus staff there, and uh, as it turned out, I was I was transferring from the high school ministry of Crew. So I worked with high school students for a few years, and I felt like I wanted to work with some older kids and whatever, and so we went to Illinois State University. Well, there was one guy that was there uh, that had been on staff there, so it was him and me. We were the guys, and a couple of the women were on staff also. And just a few weeks into our time there at Illinois State, he uh, were a they supported ministry and his support was hurting so we had to leave mm-hmm. so that left me by myself I'd only been on campus a few weeks wow. and then uh, our area director who was uh, we had an area director from uh, Indiana, Wisconsin and Illinois all got together and they had like 40, 50 new staff uh, wow. campus staff and they said let's all go blitz the campus well they chose to come to Illinois State you know, which I thought was great. We did dorm meetings. We did fraternity and sorority meetings. Yeah. I lined up a meeting with the football team and the baseball team. And, and so we did all this outreach, which is phenomenal. When you have 40 or 50 people there, then after a week they left. Mm-hmm. And I was all by myself, and I had a stack of cards of guys that either prayed to receive Christ or had questions. And it's like, I had hundreds of cards. What am I going to do? <laughs> so I thought, well, my bent is towards athletics. And because I played tennis in high school and I was on the tennis team and, you know, in college. And then I started thinking, if I want to impact this campus, who could I reach that would impact the whole campus? Mm-hmm. And I felt, they're athletes. They seem to have, whether they're good, bad, or ugly, whatever, they impacted the campus. Mm-hmm. So whether it was someone in the dorm or someone in the fraternity or wherever, they were interested in the sport. So I started following up all the football guys. I had 15 guys that, that met in a Bible study every week. Uh, one guy we met in his room, he couldn't make it. He gave me the keys to his dorm room so we could still meet. And so that's kind of where my ministry began there. Wow. And so my home ministry at Illinois State, I was there for uh, for seven years, uh, was really in the athletic department. Mm. And so our AI staff kind of, uh, you know, it kind of had met me and heard about some of the things that we were doing. And uh, one of the things that really impacted me is that I took my football players to Cincinnati to hear Archie Griffin and Anthony Munoz speak about their faith. Mm. And actually, it's one of the first times Anthony Munoz talked about his faith. And, uh, well, there was almost a puddle at the bottom of the podium after he was mm. done. But I saw the in- and then we also had a, a linebacker from uh, the Green Bay Packers come down and speak to an all-campus event that we did. 
and also Archie Griffin came to our campus and did the same thing. And I saw the impact that these guys had uh, on my guys that I was working with as well as our whole campus. That's cool. And so when I got a call and, uh, from someone that uh, said that uh, we need someone to uh, to go to, well, you can go to Buffalo or Kansas City, would you be interested? For my spring break, I came to Buffalo and met with some of the players here, uh, guys that you probably haven't even heard of, but they were guys that had a heart to uh, really reach the organization. They had a, a pastor that would come in and do chapel, uh, didn't have any Bible study at, at the time. Hmm. And so uh, that's really, when we made the switch to uh, to come to Buffalo, that's how we uh, kind of joined Athletes in Action. And, Wow. So been there. What stood out with Buffalo versus Kansas City? Well, it was interesting. Uh, I only got one letter from my dad when I was in, in college. Mm -hmm. And it was a letter saying that he and my mom were going to get a divorce. Wow. And uh, so I really didn't spend much time with my dad. We were never really that close. He used to work on the ore boats that were in and out of Erie, Buffalo, Cleveland. He worked on their... Uh, uh, two-way radio system and whatever. Wow. So he was pretty much in Buffalo a lot. So I guess maybe selfishly I felt like this would be a time for for uh, for me to spend some time with my dad, uh, for him to get to know his grandkids. Wow. And uh, and plus I really liked the players that uh, that I had sat down to talk to, and so made that made that decision and the rest uh, is history yeah the rest of the story is he developed cancer and with a year and a half he mm. had passed away mm. so he was not a believer so uh, shared Christ with him but you know it's between him and God and someone someday we'll see uh, yeah. what happened there wow. so that's a little bit about how we we ended up here yeah. You know, in Buffalo. Cool, cool. And so when you moved to Buffalo, so you became the, you know, you worked with the Buffalo Bills mm -hmm. as their, you know, chaplain. Is that what they called it back then? Or? Uh, yeah, pretty much they called it a chaplain. And okay. It was a little bit different than what it is now. You know, back then there weren't many head coaches that really thought that the spiritual was important to be a part of the whole environment. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's changed now. I think a lot of, a lot of men have changed that perspective. And, uh, and I think now they've seen how important it is to have that be a part of their their environment. Yeah. But uh, the players I met with, uh, Kay Stevenson was the head coach at the time. And the players uh, mentioned to him that we were coming. Uh, he did take the time to talk with me. And the only thing he said was kind of just stay out of my way if you don't, don't mess up. Wow. But we're doing football wise. And what year was this? 1984. Wow. Uh, and so uh, that was fine back then. They did have uh, mass and chapel in the itinerary uh, on Sunday morning, so okay. which was good. A lot of teams back then didn't even have that. Sure. Uh, players just had to organize it, but at least uh, Coach Stevenson did uh, that. And it was it's kind of interesting. Uh, uh, my wife came to visit. We came to look at some houses, and the team we were playing was the Denver Broncos. Wow. And it's the first NFL game we'd ever been to. And you know how big, okay, Highmark Stadium. It was, uh, it was back then. It was Rich Stadium. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here we are. It holds eighty thousand people, and we were there, and there were nineteen thousand people there. Yeah. Uh, I think even, 
And so it was, and a, it was a COVID type crowd then. Yeah, almost, pretty much. Yeah, you would have thought there was a pandemic going on. And then towards the end of the game, the Bills hadn't played very well. They weren't very good. And everybody was singing Goodbye K. And mm. we kind of looked at each other and said, what in the world have we gotten ourselves into? And uh, so he was fired and then... But eventually, a lot of the players still stayed. But that—that that was kind of our first, our first experience there. Wow! So you jumped in mid-season? Uh, actually, I came for training camp. Wow. Okay. Uh, after that, that uh, see, we were going to sell our house in Illinois, and so I, I said, like in March, we were going to come. It got time for training camp around in July, and they said, "Well, we're ready to start our Bible studies." So, and we hadn't sold our house yet, and so uh, I commuted. Wow. Uh, between uh, Buffalo and Illinois, there was a diff- two or three different players. I'd stay at their houses and do, that, you know, I'd stay there until we did wow. Bible study. Then I would drive 16 hours back wow. to Illinois just to help. Now with that, that is a commute right there. Yeah. That's <laughs> a long way. Uh, it got to kind of be a joke in the locker room. The head coach would see me and say, uh, "Well, where are you? Where are you now? Are you coming? Are you going?" And and whatever, because uh, but they knew what, what I was doing. I did show a commitment that. We were there, you know, for them, and so eventually we sold our house, and so we moved uh, moved here in December. Then. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. So, what was it? How? So, you started in 1984 mm-hmm. as a chaplain, and then how long were you the chaplain of the Buffalo Bills? Uh, to 2017. 2017. Yeah. Wow, and wow. So, what was it? What was it like? Well, uh, during that time, it's uh, see, so much is determines on it depends on the head coach and what he wants. Okay. Uh, there's certain head coaches that uh, I want you on the sidelines, I want you in the locker room, I want you traveling. There's other head coaches that I don't want you anywhere. You come and do chapel at the facility and that's it, or a hotel, depending on where it is. And so over that time, I really I went through 12 different head coaching changes. Oh, man. So you know, I really see God's favor in a lot of that because I could have been put out on the street at any point in time. Sure. But God, in his protection and favor, gave us that longevity, you know, over the years. Wow, that's Uh, awesome. And so, you know, when Coach McDermott came, you know, I think uh, any new coach that comes in, when there's anybody that's been around for over 30 years, it kind of makes you nervous. And, uh, you know, I think that they like to start new. They like to start from the bottom up. And uh, I think he's he just felt like it was time to make a change there. Mm. And so... um, you know, we felt like this is that was the time to turn to pay, you know the next page in God's chapter. Sure, sure. You know, for us, and so, uh, so yeah, so we we did it till 2017. Wow. And when did you move from Illinois to Buffalo? By the it, way, it would have been December of '84. Then, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, we came in March and didn't sell our house until. Uh, you know, December. Then. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Wow. Cool. So what? What was the? We talked to a couple guys that play in the NFL currently, or a couple mm-hmm. former players that have played recently. Um, man, you've been a part of the NFL eighty four to twenty seventeen, a lot of years. What was the sort of spiritual climate like in the NFL during that time? Like at the beginning, yeah. throughout it, um, yeah. At the beginning, it's uh, each team was probably different. There weren't as many. I wouldn't say there was weren't as many believers. Uh, each team probably had at least, you know, a few, two or three players that were believers, but they they had to kind of run everything. Okay. You know, the coaches weren't about to bring in a chaplain, or they didn't want pastors walking around their locker room. 
But, you know, players, when, I mean, it's their full-time job. A lot of them just didn't feel adequate taking care of the spiritual needs. You know, mm-hmm. some maybe, but a lot of them didn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think as it began to grow, I think more and more uh, players felt like that was important. And uh, there's a, there was a conference. It's called Pro Athletes Outreach. It's called Increase Today. Mm-hmm. But they put... This is basically a week-long conference for NFL pro athletes and their wives. Mm. You know, marriage, uh, training, relationships, how to handle your finances. Mm. Uh, Sometime, you know, they'd have an inspirational speaker. Someone said, like, you know, Tony Evans. If you know Tony Evans, you know, has done some of those. And so, actually, the way that we got to Buffalo was... There were a couple of players at this Pro Athletes Outreach Conference, and they heard some other players say that, well, we have someone with Athletes in Action that's our chaplain. Hmm. And they basically said, well, how come we don't have anybody in Buffalo? And they basically said, because we haven't been asked. Hmm. And so we said, well, we're asking now. Wow. <laughs> and so then, so then once they asked, and that's where I got the phone call, do you want to come to Buffalo or yeah, Kansas City? Yeah, okay, cool. And so that's when I came and met with some of these players to really, you know, hear just a little bit about their heart and their vision. And what really, I think, grabbed my heart was they just didn't want someone there just to kind of be a rah-rah on Sunday kind of guy. Mm. They really wanted someone that was going to really help them come to know God in a personal way, Mm. to get to know Him and His Word, and then to really impact not just the locker room, but the whole organization and our community. Wow. And and I just appreciated that heart and that vision. And so that's why I felt like, you know, it was, uh, you know, time to make that move. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So so powerful. And you've seen so much over the years. And one of those being is you're helping out with a team that lost four straight Super Bowls. (laughs) You don't want to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) So what was that like being a part of those four Super Bowl seasons? I mean, highs and lows. That was pretty incredible. You know, the first one, which is a lot of people probably don't realize, we only had one week to prepare in that one. Wow. Most teams now you get two weeks. Yeah. Uh, but just scheduling wise and whatever, so just to have that one week in there was was pretty quick. So basically, we played the AFC Championship game here against the Raiders, and then uh, I'm trying to think. I think that was I don't remember if it was the Saturday or Sunday game. Monday, guys were out of here. Mm. You know, and so uh, uh, so that was pretty pretty quick but it was it was really uh, an amazing experience it was a unique chemistry on that team and one of the things I think is special is that I think as the team began to grow athletically they were also growing spiritually because the formation of our Bible study and our ministry really began during the back to back 2 and 14 seasons and back then it's like uh you don't see that very often, but you know, the Bills went back to back two and fourteen. But that's when guys really began to grow in their faith, and we're really becoming leaders within the locker room and in the community. Wow. You know, that's where the you know the Mark Kelsos and the Frank Reichs and the James Loftons mm. and the Steve Taskers and the Pete Metzlars and Mark Pikes and Marlo Perrys. I mean, I, I can go on. 
Yeah. We had such a great group there. Mm. And um, but that just began to come together during that time. Then eventually they got to the Super Bowl. But mm. it's it is tough to go to four of those. Uh, I never prayed that we would win till we got to the last one. <laughs> I just uh, I felt like God. We, uh, I I, advi- I invited guests in to do some of the chapels, and that didn't work. I finally did one. That didn't work either. And uh, but yeah, but I, I think there's a, there's just such amazing things to learn when uh, you necessarily don't win. Mm. You know those situations. I remember. This story, a lot of people know Frank Reich's story about the In Christ Alone story after the greatest comeback. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking one day, and he was talking about being on the plane. Uh, maybe he shared this, I don't know. Uh, on the plane coming back after we uh, lost the Super Bowl there in L.A. And uh, he had to go in for Jim Kelly because he was got hurt and he set the record for most fumbles in a Super Bowl game and still holds that record. <laughs> he doesn't talk about that. <laughs> but he was sitting on a plane, he was thinking, you know, the, really the words in Christ alone and uh, just the uh, lyrics there were probably more applicable during after that game than after the greatest comeback game. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that there's things that God can teach us through all those lessons of life. There's nothing like sports where you can go from the high to the low so quickly and uh, how you, you have things thrown at you that you don't expect. And that, that's where I think, you know, being a part of that is so amazing. But there's nothing like being at the Super Bowl and being there with Whitney Houston singing the national anthem oh. and just before the war. And, yeah, mm. that was... Uh, wow. That, that was pretty uh, pretty incredible. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but the hardest thing is to be sitting around in that airport with the rest of the, with the players and their families, you know, heading back home. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a lot of people trying to come up with a whys. And I never came up with a good why, mm-hmm. except that, you know, God is in control and we wow. just need to stay strong mm-hmm. in Him. And uh, actually, uh, after we lost three... Uh, my wife said, I'm not going back. Mm. Uh, and actually that time, so my son went with me to the last one in Atlanta. And uh, yeah, just because that is so hard to be uh, sitting there and just uh, dealing with, uh, and you're not just dealing with two or three people. You've got, you know, a couple hundred people probably or more when you talk about an organization, family, yeah. and the players. Wow. So, yeah. Pretty hard. Yeah, that is. So you mentioned something there about how you never prayed for a victory until the fourth one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm interested to hear what you think. I know a lot of people, they have different views, but mm-hmm. do you think it's okay to or wrong to pray for a victory? And maybe uh, why do you why do you think so? No, I don't think it's wrong. I think God says, you know, we need to share what's on our heart. We really want to win, so I want to win. Yeah. And... Uh, I pretty much, overall, I would usually just pray that God will be glorified. Mm-hmm. And part of that was, I knew that there's strong believers across that, on the other sideline, too. Mm-hmm. I knew some coaches, players that were as strong and faithful as some of them had even already been here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, God's up there flipping a the coin, you know. So I just think, you know, my prayer was that they would you play the game the right way. Mm-hmm. And that every play that 
they would just honor and glorify God. Wow. You know, it'd be like if you were playing a game. I know you. You don't have kids, do you? No. No. <laughs> no. Most of kids. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like if you're playing a game with your kids. You know, you wouldn't pray that what that your son would beat your daughter, your daughter would be. But you'd want them to play the game right. Mm. Yeah. Play that's the good. game by the rules. No that's cheating. Good. And whoever won, they'd be excited. And then the person who lost would congratulate that person and kind of enjoy the mm. victory there even though yeah you're you're frustrated you're di- disappointed but still you had a, they, they have that privilege and honor to get there and to do it four years in a row is pretty amazing wow. yeah and it's a and that's a, such a tight group they're still close to this day mm. and uh, yeah it was a, a special time so saw that Marv Levy just got voted into the <laughs> Canadian, the CFL the Hall CFL of Fame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Marv was great. He, he was, uh, well, what a great leader. Hmm. I appreciated the time he had with me. One of his first days after he was made head coach, he uh, asked me to come and see him, and he sat down with me in the locker room, and he said I, he appreciated what I was doing for the team. He said, I just have some personal convictions that I don't want my chaplain to, to travel with us. Uh, but you know, have access to the sidelines, locker room, whatever, and so I was fine with that. He wow. uh, appreciated his openness. He made sure other things were available to me, and plus for me, because I wasn't traveling, that meant that I could use my leadership gri- leadership group guys that I was developing. They had to take that leadership to lead chapel if I wasn't there. Yeah, because wow. so many That's guys. Because awesome. like you know. There's a head pastor around. He has to do everything. Right. Everybody always looks to the head pastor. If you sure, do. sure. But because I did not travel in some of those years, God really used that time to develop some of my leadership group guys. Wow. Mm. And sp- speaking of leadership, you have seen incredible, incredible leaders up front. Mm-hmm. So when you think of your time just as a chaplain over the years, who are some leaders that, that you've worked with who stand out to you? And you've mentioned incredible names so far. The guys oh, like Frank yeah, Reich, yeah. Kelso, Steve Tasker, mm-hmm. so many. Marv, you know, Marv, like yeah. who, who are some to you? Oh, golly. It's, uh, I'll probably for, I just rattle off a bunch. I'll forget a bunch. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm trying to think, I think I mentioned some of the early guys, you know, like Ken Irvin, Henry Jones, uh, more recently, Scott Chandler, mm. Tashard Choice, uh, London Fletcher, then mm. uh, Frank Reich, you know, of course, uh, Chris Kelsey, you know, is, a, is another one. Mm. Um, what made uh, what made some of these leaders different than others? Well, part of that is I had a leadership group, and the reason this started was when I first got here and things began to grow. There were about ten to twelve guys that I felt like I really wanted to help them grow in their faith. Mm-hmm. With the NFL schedule. There's no way I can meet with 12 guys during the year. They've got one day off. Yeah. And their schedule is full the rest of the week. They leave for games on Saturday, play Sunday in their back. So it's like, how am I going to meet with 12 guys? I can't do it. So I need to have a group. So I came up with this leadership group idea and just said, I told them what it was going to be. And they'd have to make a commitment to be there at the meeting. 
they'd have to read and study what we were studying. They would have to help us plan our community outreach. And they had to do two things. They had to find one guy in the locker room that they had no idea where he was coming from spiritually and just be, kind of become a friend to him. Mm. Didn't have to be at their position. It can be somebody across the locker room. Mm. So to find one guy that they would do that with uh, or maybe two, maybe that would be the guy you would choose to room with on the road or whatever. And then another guy that was a believer and then just kind of take that person under their, your wing and just to kind of encourage them. Memorize scripture together, make sure that they're at chapel, pray for them, those kind of things. And so I'd make this available to everybody that came to our Bible study. Some guys chose to do it, and some guys didn't. Hmm. And so I went with the guys that chose to do it. And it's funny, you know, talk about Steve Tasker was, you know, back then, ABC used to have a thing on Monday morning, uh, Channel 7 would have Bill's Highlights. And so Steve always did the highlights. I had my leadership group meeting on Monday morning, so he never could meet it or make that meeting. And uh, but he wanted to be in the group, so Steve and I set up our own time. Friday mornings, uh, I'm just sorry, Saturday mornings, we would have breakfast at a restaurant that's no longer even standing there now, <laughs> and we would go over the leadership group stuff one on one. Cool. And eventually we invited Chris Moore and Steve Christie to be a part of that group, the special teams guys. Wow, that's cool. Uh, yeah. So, so, so I would take those. That's why those guys I'd say were leaders because they, I spent most of my time with them. Mm. Those were the guys that we could confront each other, hold each other accountable. Mm. And they're the ones that really went through the locker room and really had so much more of an impact than I did. Mm. My ministry was through them to the rest of the team and the organization. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so you talk about a lot of these guys that I know. I mean, I can't imagine the impact that, that you've had on their lives and that they've had on other people's lives and maybe even the ways they've impacted you. Are you still close with a lot of these guys or some of uh, them we, today? We keep in touch some. Well, obviously yeah. with Frank, just because he, uh, when we're not in a pandemic, uh, he comes back every year and we do the Call to Courage uh, breakfast. Okay. But the others, and Steve Tasker has been a part of that, that, that event as well, uh, mainly you know because he's local here. But some of the guys, uh, the beginning years of, of the breakfast, we'd bring them back, and they were like our hosts for the event. But we text once in a while, Christmas cards, uh, you know, get birthday greetings on Facebook, that kind of thing. And yeah, so, there you go. <laughs> uh, I haven't gone to, they come in for the alumni events. And I haven't gone to men. Maybe I'll, I might start going to some of the alumni events because hmm. a lot of those guys come back for that. I don't play cool. golf, so I, I wouldn't be a part of that. It's <laughs> probably, drive, it's probably better not to play. It's such yeah. a frustrating game. <laughs> yeah. You can drive a golf cart, though, yeah? yeah? I could do that. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you know, I could do that. So what is what is this called a courage breakfast that you mentioned? I know um, it's been around for a bit. What, what is it? Well, actually, this came, uh, came to be because... Uh, one of the things that Athletes in Action done as a whole is uh, is the uh, Athletes in Action Super Bowl breakfast, where the Bart Star Award is presented. Sure. And years ago, all of our AI Pro staff were together when we were just putting this together, and uh, a good friend of mine who was the chaplain in Green Bay at the time saying, "What well, do you think Bart would want to join us for this? Put his name on it, that kind of thing." And eventually, uh, they talked to Bart about it, and he was all excited about it. Mm. 
So it's an award, and it's a breakfast that the NFL has sanctioned, and it's uh, done every year at the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, it's an award that the players vote on, mm. uh, who they think uh, the nominees come from, usually the uh, within each organization. They okay. kind of know the criteria, leadership on and off the field. And then uh, the players vote for that the same day they do their uh, Pro Bowl balloting. Mm. And, uh, and so we give that award uh, every year. So I happen to be in Atlanta one year. Uh, a guy on my advisory board uh, wanted some of us to go on to Atlanta because he was a businessman, knew some people in Atlanta, and said, this be great. Why don't we go to Atlanta? Uh, I don't know if he was going to go to the Super Bowl or not. I don't think he had tickets, but I think he thought he might get them. But but we, he said, let's all go down for this, you know, the Super Bowl breakfast. So there were two players, Henry Jones and Ken Irvin, that were going to be at my table because they lived in Atlanta in the off season. So I had them come and sit with me. And so I was sitting there, you know, at, at the table here in Atlanta, and they started to show uh, uh, Bart Starr's, you know, highlights, you know, from the Super Bowls and all that kind of stuff. And the Lord kind of put it on my heart, you know, that, you know, the Bills haven't gone to a Super Bowl and won yet. But we do have Frank Reich in the greatest comeback game. Hmm. And so I thought, what if, what if we would do a community outreach under that framework of the greatest comeback? And so I called Frank and talked to him about it, and he thought it was a great idea. He said, the only thing I'd say is if we do it, let's do it right. Hmm. So I came back and talked to my advisory board, and they, they thought it would be a great idea to do. And so that's really kind of where the... Call to Courage Breakfast came from. Cool. And it's kind of under the, you know, the three words that go along with it are character, commitment, and community. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things, you know, Frank was never a starter in the NFL. And so he wanted to give the award to a lot of guys that have been through some of the ups and downs of the league. Mm-hmm. You know, not Love somebody that. that's come in as a rookie and been an all-pro guy or won a Super Bowl, you know, his first year or whatever. But someone that's been in the league long enough, say... Uh, Say like what uh, Nick Foles has been through now. Mm. Look where he's gone sure. from winning the Super Bowl to now. Or even uh, Carson Wentz. They're both good friends of Frank. You know, that kind of a thing. Uh, some of the guys that have won our award are people that people didn't know anything about who they were till they came here mm. to our Call to Courage breakfast. But they were well worthy of, of the award. I love that. And so... Uh, so that's kind of where it came from. So we've been doing that for a good 18, 19 years. Wow. Now. And it's so funny that uh, when we first started it, Frank Reich was in seminary. <laughs> you know, it had nothing to do with football. That's awesome. And it wasn't until a few years later that he talked to, uh, you know, Bill Polian as, as his kids got a little bit older. And I think Tony would let me come to, you know, a training camp just to check out this football thing. Wow. And so it went from uh, went from there. Wow, so that's in, amazing! In fact, uh, when Bill Polian was back for our call to courage breakfast, he talked about how he he wanted Frank to come and be their quarterback coach in Indy. Hmm. You know, and just to coach Peyton Manning. But uh, <laughs> Frank said no; that he needed to be in seminary. And so wow. Bill said, "Well, 
I don't feel too bad losing out to God. <laughs> but eventually, you know, look where Frank did end up. Sure, you sure. Know. So, uh, but and Peyton Manning didn't do too bad without him. No, 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 he, no he did not. And uh, Frank loved working with him. And, I mean, he he coached wide receivers and running backs there too. So he wow. really got his feet wet as a coach and hmm. was able to. I'm sure the foundation of how you know his. Offensive game plans and strategies, a lot of that came from. Sure. And and that that just shows, I feel like, just the character of Frank. Mm -hmm. Because if somebody called me and said, hey, you want to coach one of the best quarterbacks that's (laughs) ever played the game? I'd be like, heck yeah, I do. But, you know, he, he... chose to go to seminary still and you know hear out what God has that's I, I've never heard that story so that's mm-hmm. I love hearing stories like mm-hmm. that so mm-hmm. another thing that you help out with is a night out with the Bills mm-hmm. tell us what that is about well that was something unique Noah that we uh, kind of came up with because uh, we wanted to do something as a whole Bible study that would have an impact in our community mm-hmm. and so we chose to do it in the inner city because in going around after I'd been here a while, I'd hear a lot of people in the inner city say, you know, you know, if we ever hear any of the bills speak, we always have to go to the suburbs to hear them. Mm. And uh, for whatever reason, I guess that's just the way it was. Mm. And so when we came up with, we wanted to do it in the inner city. So we, we originally started at the Buffalo Christian Center, which is no longer the Buffalo Christian Center. Mm. And, uh, and that's where we headed. And the purpose of it was... We kind of twofold purpose. One is an outreach. One is to give the players and their wives a chance to share their faith and to make a, a stance for Christ. Mm-hmm. So we said, you know, everybody in the Bible study was going to go, husbands and wives. Now they could be. You didn't have to say anything. Just stand on the stage. Mm-hmm. But we had certain people that would give their testimonies. Uh, we had a, a women's panel and a guys panel, and then we always had one of the uh, one of the couples that would uh, would share at the end. Would you like to know God personally? Mm-hmm. So the players, they they did everything, and so it was a chance for them to really grow, you mm-hmm. know, mature. And uh, the, the verses that uh, we had a program that we gave out, and I had the players gave them a chance. You all choose your favorite verse. And that's what was put in the program. And originally, the wives weren't a part of it. It was just the guys. Hmm. But a few of the wives came came to watch. And then I started to think, you know, we need to have the women involved in this. And, in fact, in, in the program, somebody said once, well, the guys are here. How come the women don't have their picture there? Hmm. Well, it'd get too expensive if all the women had an individual picture in their favorite verse so they do have a verse I think it's even on the one here that but it's a group picture <laughs> sure wow and then so after the the program we'd uh, have this thing set up in the roller rink in the Buffalo Christian Center and then it was an autograph time for Mm. So they'd autograph their booklet instead of a T-shirt or some scrap of paper, or whatever. They'd have this book that that had "Would you like to know God personally?" in it, plus a picture of the player and and a, whatever. The Bills were gracious to uh, to give uh, to give us the pictures because the NFL owns all the rights to all that stuff, mm. and they uh, they let the players use uh, wear their jerseys wow. and stuff. So it was uh, it was a pretty neat. Uh, Opportunity and uh, 
was a neat outreach to the yeah. innocent. So we had, you know, anywhere from 800 to 1,000 kids that, were, wow. that would come out to this. That's and it was awesome. free. Uh, we wow. made sure that so it was for anybody that wanted to, uh, you know, to be there. Wow. That's super so, cool. Actually, it was, uh, remember when Chan Gailey was a head coach here, uh, we were in a Bible study Friday afternoon with the, head, with the coaches. And I mentioned I had them pray for our night out with the Bills. And so that night, uh, Chan and his wife showed up at the event. Mm. Uh, left kind of early, you know, just so they could get out from the crowd and whatever. Sure. But the next day, he went around to every player that was at that event and thanked them for being a part of it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he was a real deal. Mm, that's super cool. I love yeah, hearing that. Yeah. That intentionality that goes that goes a long way. Yeah, it really does. So, yeah, he was one, one of the good ones. Yeah. So yeah. So, uh, you know, the um, currently the they had the like they had, bills haven't done anything like that recently. You know, I know I did share uh, Len Vandenbos, who's the chaplain there. I did talk to him about it, that we had done that, but you know, each guy does ministry his way and led to do things their way and so maybe someday they might you know try something uh, yeah. you know like that again but it was it was a lot of fun just to uh, That's cool. to see the players just take the leadership and do uh, do that I can still see Jason Whittle and his wife sitting on the stage sharing the gospel with kids that's so cool and uh, a lot of lives were changed mm. as a result of that yeah wow. that's awesome that's awesome so one of the other things that we know um, we were involved with were different AIA football camps mm-hmm. Jerry Butler football camps what were what were those events uh, actually uh, Jerry was one of the players that was instrumental in bringing my wife and I here mm. he's one of the guys that I met with okay and so there was a thing we. I just wanted to, because I heard about what different guys had done, guys that had been chaplains, and so I just put together this afternoon clinic. Let's see, you know, Jerry was there as a wide receiver. I think Steve Tasker may have been there as a wide receiver. Frank was there as a quarterback. Uh, so it's so we just did. The, oh, Eugene Marv was there as a linebacker. And so we just did this clinic. Guys would rotate to the different positions. And then at the end, had one of the guys share their testimony. Wow. And then uh, one of the things that Jerry said, he said, you know, this, this is great, but we need, we need to do more than this. So at training camp that next time, we stayed up late. We were at Fredonia at the time, late at night, because he wanted to do a full-blown, week-long camp. Mm. Kind of like, though, remember the Titans kind of thing. Mm. He wanted to get the kids <laughs> away from home. You know, get them living in the dorms and do all this kind of stuff. I mean, I appreciate his vision. And so uh, so we started the uh, Jerry Butler football camp. We did it at Hilbert College. And so uh, we put together a few guys uh, to make up a, a group of directors. Because so, uh, Jerry and I didn't really know anybody. So we know, needed to know somebody that knew high school coaches. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we put that together. And it was interesting. The way I would use it is that... We'd have chapel. We would. We kind of talked about it as a total athlete camp. Mm. So it'd be the mental, the physical, and the spiritual. Mm. The spiritual part was chapel in the morning. And so we would use some of the Bills players that were here, which was nice. Now players aren't here and they're gone. Sure. But now, but back then, they were living here. This was their home. Mm. They take trips here and there, but this is their home. So we'd have players come over and. Uh, do chapel and actually the uh, the first place that that Frank ever shared 
uh, the gospel was at Jerry's football camp. Mm. He did the evangelistic no clothes at one of the chapels. Wow. And so, and then certain players, you know, like Steve and Pete Metzlars and whatever, was some of the first places that they gave their testimonies, talking wow. about their. So it was kind of a training time for them too, but it had a phenomenal impact on the athletes. Uh, you know, that were there at the camp. And so we did that 15, 18 years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jerry left to be a, a coach in Cleveland. Wow. And uh, for a few years and so But we still keep in touch. Jerry Good. and I are very Good. close. Mm, that's uh, awesome. That's awesome. So in all your years in ministry, what has been or what is the greatest joy that you've experienced in ministry? Probably some of the things that we've already talked about, watching these players grow. Because mm. uh, I think my wife and I, our goal was to build things into their lives that they will take way beyond football. Mm. Mm. You know, how to have a personal quiet time, how to walk in the spirit, how to give their testimony, you know, how to share their faith. Yeah. And so building those things and then seeing them and creating an environment like the night out with the Bills or football camp, uh, going to speak at different churches or whatever, uh, create opportunities where they can grow in those areas. Yeah. And so that's probably been, I'd say, my biggest joy is to see those things happen. Mm. To cool. see the things that Frank does now, you know, is, uh, is incredible. And other people that... Some of the wives calling Kathy, talking about the Bible studies that they did here that they want to do in their neighborhood. Mm. You know, those kind of things is why it, uh, you know, I think there's joy there. And we felt like we were faithful to be who we were. You get around a lot of the celebrities, whatever, Mm. and sometimes you try to be one of them, and we never tried to be one of them. We just tried to be who we were. Mm. We were there to serve them and that's to good. love them and help them grow. Wow. And that's one of the things that uh, a lot of times we didn't get in, invited to certain parties and the players say, why aren't you coming to this? Well, we weren't invited to it, which was okay because uh, uh, that wasn't what we were called necessarily to do. Sure. Wow. So, But the Bills were always so gracious. Uh, you know, they always made sure that, you know, my family went to uh, the Super Bowls. <laughs> made sure we were taken care of uh, you know as far as uh, when we had chapel that you know they give two tickets to the chapel speaker well I didn't want to speak at chapel just because I wanted tickets mm. uh, a lot of guys had to do that and I just didn't think that was right so eventually Jerry Butler who I, I mentioned um, went to the Bills and said we need to have two for Fred and Kathy for what they do to the team and then two for the chapel speaker because mm-hmm. I wanted different uh, men and I did bring different men in to speak at chapel because I wanted some of the players because like I said they were here to get to know some of the pastors so they could become involved in their churches in the off season mm-hmm. and I wanted them to be able to feel comfortable doing that Yeah, and so I would bring certain pastors in and uh, some I brought in that I never had back uh, but most of them were really good. Were good friends, good friends to our ministry. Wow! And uh, and some of the players were able to get involved with their churches while they were uh, while they were here. Wow! And so Jerry made it possible for us to have four tickets. So I we would get yeah. two, and then there would be two for uh, the chapel speaker. So the weeks that I did chapel, there were extra, and then eventually give one to your son. Or... Yeah. Well, eventually <laughs> I I had a. Uh, 
through the player development department, I had an all-access pass, and so I didn't even need tickets. I mm. could go wherever I wanted to go whenever I needed to be there. <laughs> and so a lot of the pastors here I'd give my ta- tickets to because they knew who they, you know, somebody they wanted to spend time with. Wow. Uh, you know, just give them a treat to take to a game sure. and whatever. That's, yeah, so, that's awesome. Sorry, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> hey, that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. My seat is on my couch. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. That's that's where most people's seats were this year. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, yeah. we, we were all sitting there. Yeah. 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 That's so true. But it's uh, wow. But it was uh, such an incredible uh, mm-hmm. blessing to be a part wow. of the lives. Had a chance to marry a few of the players. You know, and their wives. So yeah. it was uh, wow. it, uh, a real blessing to just to be used by God. And uh, probably the best way to explain our ministry, and I think it's true, it's mm. uh, is the ministry of presence. Mm. I never knew when I was going to be sharing with somebody. And or when someone would ask me a question or say, can you pray about this? Wow. Uh, it would just happen from time to time. I don't know how we're doing time-wise. No, you're good, yeah. That uh, probably one of the most profound situations like that was with Kevin Everett. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the player that was paralyzed on the field here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's fine. Huh? He really went through some miraculous things. But he came up, uh, I was in the locker room, and he came up to me and said, hey, you need to pray for me. And I said, okay. And so, so I said I'd be praying for him, and so then I uh, got together with him. And he said, I just need to get my life right. You know, this is like in March, April. Uh, you know, with the Lord, I know I need to quit, you know, messing around. I know the woman that I need to be committed to, and that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And he started making all these changes. He was growing. He was doing great. He was the first one at, at chapel and Bible study during training camp. Then the first game of the season, I think it was the second kickoff of the second half. Little did he know what he was going to be going through. Mm-hmm. He was paralyzed. Uh, and so uh, he was at one of the local hospitals here. And he said he wanted to have the whole Bible study in the intensive care unit. And I said, I don't think we can do that. He said, I'll come in earlier and we'll go over the Bible study stuff. But but all the people that came down to visit, we had our Bible study then thereafter. Because wow. a lot of them were down there to see him. I think I remember that. Was that around 2000? It could be. I I think it was against the Broncos. Yeah, it was against the Broncos. Yep, I do remember that. Yeah, and I remember I'm like, because my mom's from Buffalo, and we were watching the game together, and I'm like, oh, no. Like, this is not good. I I know Kevin has talked to the guy that, whoever they hit, but I think he struggled with that big time. Mm. Wow. I can't imagine. But, But Kevin, little did he know in March and April, where he was going to be in September. Mm. Wow. And uh, we brought him and his wife back. He wrote a book about his story. And there was a... What's the book called? Oh, golly. You'll have to look up Kevin. We'll I look can, it up. We uh, can put I it in the show notes. Yeah. But uh, there was a guy that read the book. He came up to Kevin, and we had an autograph time for people afterwards. Came up to him and said, I read your book. And because of that, I, I went into the ministry. Mm. Wow. And... Uh, it just blew Kevin away, you know, that just that impact. And to think back where he was that March and April. And uh, so that that was a real ministry of presence time. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so I just uh, appreciated those times. Mm. That's so good. Well, Fred, we, 
we definitely appreciate all these stories, and, and I, I love I love hearing this. And the the word that just keeps coming to mind is faithful. Mm-hmm. Is is what I hear of your story and your wife and and the years that you served Buffalo and the Buffalo mm-hmm. Bills is is you were faithful mm-hmm. to what God had for you at the time, and because of that, we're able to see so much fruit from your ministry today. Mm-hmm. And and I love that the bills were gracious to have you and you know i i heard it probably six or seven times throughout this entire interview of you just saying the bills were so gracious to us so gracious to us Mm and and that to me just shows such a heart of of just humility of saying i don't deserve and need to be here but they've blessed me with the opportunity to be here mm-hmm. and because of that I'm going to be present and I'm going to I'm going to do what God has called me to and I, I love that and so thank you so much for sharing sure. all of these different things today and as we close here are there any final words of encouragement or insights uh, for our listeners maybe just one thing I think is in the realm of, of athletics versus what everybody else has gone through you know, with the, the pandemic, the slash of the adjustments that people have had to make, mm. I think it's important to realize that not necessarily to put athletes on pedestals, because mm. kind of the way we looked at them is that they're individuals. They have the same needs that we have. Yeah. They have the same pressures that we have. Now, the thing is, the, where they live, everybody sees it, you know, and so they have a responsibility there. But I just think that transition that they go through once the cheering stops, those were the kind of things we were trying to build Mm. into their lives so their lives would stay strong because their foundation is in Christ and not in the cheering and the accolades. And a lot of what people have gone through, you know, in our country is that people have lost loved ones, they've lost jobs and had to sell cars and houses. Mm. They've had some pretty strong some major transitions in their life. Mm. But I think we know the real hope is in knowing Christ and following Him. Wow. And uh, I think that would be the, I guess, the main thing that I would... Well, that's a big one. There. It's a big yeah. one. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, Fred, thank you. I can't say thank you enough for sharing. I, so I think you just brought us through a journey uh, of just <laughs> yeah. all your stories and yeah. hearing. You have so much. And I know you talked to us about how, you know, I haven't written a book and this is kind of, you know, my book. This but is my book. Yeah. I encourage you to write a book. I think a lot of people would read it because we had we had a gentleman on by the name of Darren Gray. Oh, I know Darren. Yeah. yeah and he... Uh, he, he works with Tony, and I'm mm-hmm. sure you know him yeah. pretty well, but I, I see a similar posture between the two of you in the sense mm-hmm. of you're, yeah. you guys aren't on the front lines, but you guys are behind the scenes mentoring and mm-hmm. inspiring and praying with these leaders who are making an impact for the kingdom. And mm-hmm. so, again, I know Bjorn said it, but thank you. Thank oh, you for all that you're, you're doing. You're welcome. So, yeah. So thank you for joining us on the SWAT Room today. Well, great being with you, Noah. Bjorn, good job. Well, thank you, Fred, for joining us today for the SWAT Room. That was a lot of fun, a long journey, a lot of football yeah. that he has seen and a lot of different sports. So really, really fun conversation. Bjorn, what were some of your thoughts and reflections from today's episode? Yeah, I, first and foremost, as we were talking with Fred, we heard a lot of stories, a lot of reflection with many, many years, but very, very few times was it about football. Mm. 
I think in in all of Fred's reflection on his story through being the chaplain of the Buffalo Bills for 30-some years, he always talked about people. Mm. He always talked about this person, that person, their story, their story. It's all about people. And I, and I love that because that shows me, and I've seen this by getting to know Fred, it's He's all about the person. He's all about the people. He's all about relationships, relationships, relationships. And these are just people that happen to be some of the greatest in the world at playing football. Mm. But that doesn't change the fact that they're a person, that they still have families and they still have desires and strengths and weaknesses and faults and all this stuff. And so I, I just I loved that hearing that perspective come out. Um, and I don't know if Fred did it intentionally or not, um, but I, I thought it was good. What about you? I really enjoyed today's episode. I think something that comes to mind is uh, when he's talking about don't don't minimize the ministry of presence mm. and just being there. And I, I think oftentimes when we think of chaplains, people, I think us doing this podcast, we've gotten to know really what is it like to be a chaplain, and it's the ministry of presence. I remember talking to Cal Kern about that. He talks about that all the time. Just being there mm-hmm. is so important. Yeah, and I think it goes a lot farther than just being a chaplain. I think that yes. is all of us in wherever we are in life. Mm. It's if just be present because people, when when they have a question about faith, when they have something that they need prayer for. If you are there, you may not know when they may need you or want to talk with you, but if you're there and you're open and you're available, then they'll come to you when they're ready. So good. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that. And I thought it was in a lighter note of just him talking about Frank Reich. He has so many Frank Reichs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I th- he probably has the, the most other than Frank himself. Sure, sure. Um, but I think one of my favorite ones is he turns down Bill Polian and says, you know what, I don't. I'm not going to coach Peyton Manning. I'm going to go and go to seminary. Yeah. What a story that that's is. Wild. I can't imagine that. So. Yeah. And, I, and I have to believe that that's probably one of many moments in Frank's life since he became saved where he was faithful mm. to God's plan for him. And, I mean, Frank didn't know that turning down coaching Peyton Manning would in the future lead to him coaching the Indianapolis Colts. I know. But that's what happened. He had no idea. And, you know, I— one of the verses that stood out to me, and I couldn't remember all of it in my head, so I didn't say it during during the episode, <laughs> but I've looked it up now, so I don't get it wrong. But James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Nice. And I'm reminded of this when I hear Fred's story about losing four Super Bowls and two and 14 seasons where... There's a lot of ups and downs with those teams, the players that mm. Frank or that Fred was a part of their lives. Players in the NFL, they stand on trial. Mm. They see the highs of the highs and the lows of the lows. Mm. I love talking about this this award that they give out at the Call to Courage breakfast and or the Bart Starr Award, like these yeah. things where it's not all about. The Patrick Mahomes, who comes right out of college, becomes an immediate starter after a little while, yeah. wins a Super Bowl. No, it's about the Nick Foles, this player who's been through adversity. The the Frank Reich, who was never a starter in the NFL, but still was here and put time and energy and effort. And it's, man, that takes a lot of perseverance to get through that. And that's Absolutely. something I, man, when, when I hit trials... It's hard. I, I don't like it. And so when I right. see people that are able to persevere through difficulties, it's 
Mad respect. Mad respect. That's so good. Well, Fred, thank you for joining us today. This is a fun episode. It was. And next week, we're keeping this Bill series going, and we're so excited to be featuring Del Reed from Bill's Mafia. No excerpt this week, but look out for that ex- episode next week. So excited to be featuring Del. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room Sports and Faith Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Watermark Sports, on Twitter at Sweat Room Pod, and our new blog at watermarkwesleyan.com slash blog. Until next time, get it, got it, and give it. Thanks for listening to the Sweat Room, a podcast of Watermark Wesleyan Church. 